this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. We at Pack Your Nice love to draft so much so that we decided to draft Top Chef contestants live on the podcast. Drafting is the best. And if you're into fantasy sports, I got a stat for you. Did you know that your chances of winning on draft are 80% better than on salary cap sites? That's why draft is my favorite fantasy site. No more getting crushed by the pros. And it's not just me. More than 1 million people that have already downloaded draft too. Play in a real live NBA draft right now and be done in under five minutes. Get paid out the very next day. Drafts are filling every second, so you can join one whenever you want. All new players get a free entry into a real money draft when you make your first deposit. But make sure to use my promo code HEALTHY, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y, HEALTHY. That's right, play in a real money draft for free just by using my promo code HEALTHY. But it gets even better. Draft is so sure you'll love it that they're even offering Pack Your Knives listeners a money-back guarantee of up to $100. Just search Draft in your app store or go to Draft.com and play free right now with promo code HEALTHY. It's Pack Your Knives. I'm Kevin Arnovitz. And I'm Tom Haberstro. Tonight we watched episode two of Top Chef. This is actually episode three of Pack Your Knives uh, because we love you more. But uh, tonight was kind of the, the... uh, the second elimination, uh, we had a very aggressive quick fire challenge. We got a lot of going on, and I, I think more than anything, some personality dynamics emerged yes. that I didn't kind of see coming. So that was very interesting. Uh, let's 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 just start it with the quick fire. You want to lay out what happened uh, at the beginning of the episode with the quick fire parameters. So the quick fire parameters were a mise en place, which is uh, the skills challenge from NBA All Star Weekend, where you kind of show off your prep cooking. Um, and I guess sous chefs or people who have a history of sous chefs on their resume, I think tend to project well in these sort of competitions. So the first thing was to, uh, dice up, um, what do you, what, what was it called? A bernois? So no, we, we had, we had, we had shallots, uh, yep. the, the chopping of shallots, the peeling of mushrooms, and then the butchering, um, of, of, of I believe tenderloin. And yes. it was fascinating because shallots are really hard. They're kind of like these Mitroishka dolls. Like you, you get like a shallot, what you think is a shallot yeah. in the in the grocery, and you break it open. And guess what? They're like three different little onions, and two of them are connected by this thin lip. So you're actually having to kind of dissect this thing. So shallots are – And it's slippery. And and like when it slips away from you, you got to like – it's really hard. Right, and then yeah. they make you cry. And, and But you know, it's funny because I think it was our first real emergence of – um, Adrian. Yes. 
Like we knew she had that Laberna Den credential, but she was man, she was doing some chopping. Yeah, she really she really showed us something in this episode. Um and we can get into it later, but I thought that she really had one of the strongest um outings for any of the any of the chefs tonight. It started with the the chopping. She was incredible with the chopping and right off the bat it was clear that Laura with her backcountry like uh Alaska kind of kind of breathe through there a little bit. Were, were you nervous as someone who drafted Laura, uh, Alaska Laura, who has bears in her fridge? Uh, did you did you get nervous about the way she was chopping those shallots in the beginning? Yeah, no, it's just so funny because it, clearly not everybody can do everything. And, and you know, Tanya was very funny that she has really not done mise en place at her restaurant. You know, she's got her own shop. That's what she pays these other people to do. And you know, she made light of it. The, the peeling of the mushrooms looked really difficult. And it was funny because who I forget who said it was, you know, we gave the really big guys. And what you realize you need it, though, are like the little girls from Schindler's List who can put their fingers and polish the inside of the bullet shells um, because apparently the dudes were just too big to, to peel mushrooms, which just looks like the biggest pain in the ass peeling a cremini mushroom have you done that before i'm never gonna do i'm not gonna peel a mushroom me neither i'm very aspirational about my cooking i want to learn to do a lot of things tomorrow i move into a house with a with a steam oven i'm really excited about that but damn if i'm ever gonna fucking peel a goddamn cremini mushroom did you catch tanya when she's like i haven't done this since i left france in 19 exactly i mean that's what she pays (laughs) her staff to do um and then you had like the butchering which was a very interesting thing because so for our, for our listeners, the 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 what are the, there were fourteen players tonight or sixteen or fifteen? Uh, fourteen, I believe. Seven and seven. Two teams of seven. It was a relay, uh, and one of the teams kind of cleverly had two people butchering uh, for the last event rather than one. So though though they entered behind, they were able to catch up. But what happened, Tom? You know, slow and steady wins the race, Kevin. The tortoise and the hare. Bruce was very meticulous. He was very uh, – he weighed the stakes before he um, put them out, which was obviously a, a slower move but the smarter move because in the end when Joe Stash ran, sprinted up with the big pan full of meat – they just kept shaking their heads. Nope, this is not the right way. Nope, this is over. This is under. This is over. This is under. And there goes Bruce just slowly putting those meats together and just nails every single one. Right. They had to be within an ounce of eight, I think. So what, between essentially 7.01 and 8.99 technically? I think that was the parameter. It was 20 steaks. Yeah. They had to peel clean and eat, peel clean and slice mushrooms. The burn washing, the, the shallots was the first thing. And then they had to trim and portion the 20 steaks. Um, and you know what? Team Blue. Came away with the W. And so then they are thrown into – they go from teammates essentially to competitors for this quick fire challenge. What's on the line? They had immunity. They had 5000 uh some some provisions from Blue Apron. And yep. essentially – so then they all have to basically use these mise en place elements to create a dish. Uh, they, were, they were pretty uniform in terms of components. Obviously, they played it a little differently. By the way, those were like seven really good dishes. Yeah, the thing is, like, what can you make in 8 minutes and 21 seconds? Seriously, 8 minutes and 21 seconds to make a dish. And I get it that they're pre-prepped, but um, essentially it went with the same thing. The the filet, the tenderloin, very rare, uh, with some sort of bourbon sauce and mushrooms. And the, the onions, obvi- or the shallots, obviously are going to go well with that. So, um, I was... I was I was very happy to see all the bourbon uh, in this dish. As you and I both know, bourbon's fantastic. You, you are a use bourbon as marinade kind of guy. Yes. And uh, Big Joe, a non-mustache Joe, but Big Joe wins the quick fire. He does a quick marinated tenderloin with, with shallot, mushroom, and ginger. He's got some peppers going on there. Very Chicago dish, a uh, little, little, little beef and pepper, and, uh, and, he, and he wins his immunity. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see that one coming. Like I thought it was going to be a rare steak, just um, seasoned well, that was going to win that. But he came out with that, you know, almost like a the, the acidity with the marinated steak. It was very cooked. I, I didn't. I didn't see that winning when they were going through the dishes. You know, you, you kind of in your head when you're watching the dishes go through. You're like, visually, I think I can pick out which one's going to win. And for that one, it was a nice looking dish. But I was kind of surprised that it won. But 
Shouts to Joe Flam. I think you get plus plus three points for that one. You're the commissioner. I do believe so. I think you get plus three on that, and then or an extra two. Was there a was there a top two or a top three for the quick fire this time? There there was a top two for the quick fire and a bottom two for the quick fire. But then again, four seven players didn't play. Yeah, that was really weird to me. What do you think about that? Because I thought um I thought the fact that like you know seven the whole entire team didn't get to the bottom, even though they were the worst, they didn't get to be in the bottom two. And I think Rogelio with the broken sauce. Uh, and Tyler, who was too heavy on the carrot, they both get um, some some penalties there for being in the bottom two. I guess I, you know, I guess, but again, that they, but at least they were part of the team that won that got there. Yeah, well, our scoring system is going to need some uh, consultation. We might have to hire counsel. I defer to you. You're you're too anal as to be dishonest. So I'm, I I totally <laughs> trust you. I know you will come up with a sensible solution, even if it screws your team. And uh, th- this you can do. All right, I think I think Rogelio for that one, they're both gonna get Tyler and Rogelio are both gonna get minus one for that. Remind me who the second place was. Uh, brother Luck. So um, yeah, there was. Uh, bro- let's see, brother had the hibiscus mignonette on top of it, which reminded me of Miami, the mignonette, which is a great oyster bar in mignonette um, in Miami. The that's right. That's right. And um, you know, we're not going to talk about it now, but just so just so the listeners know, we have some strong cilantro takes. And Joe Joe Flam brought the cilantro as the garnish on top of that dish and won with it. But we're going to save it for that for the next. Yeah, I, I, I will get into my cilantro issues at some point in this broadcast over the next several weeks. I'm not ready to do it now. I want to wait for the optimal moment to unload on the devil's weed. But we, 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 we will get there at some point. <laughs> now, my, my, my thing here, Kevin, is I feel like these team things, I'm not a fan of the team aspect because it feels like baseball. You know, baseball is a team sport, but it's really an individual sport masquerading as a team sport. There's not really that much interaction. Yeah, I, I will say this. I do enjoy restaurant wars as a team sport because I think it actually is a team sport. It is more inter- interdependent on your teammates. Whereas this, it's like you happen to meet everybody's doing their own thing or people are paired up and doing their dishes, but there's really no relation between the first and the fourth dish on the green team uh, other than the color of their aprons. It's it's like Seinfeld said, you're kind of rooting for laundry. You're rooting for aprons. <laughs> yep, yep. And then we go to a farm, the Fruition Farm outside of Denver, and we had – as they said, Thor and Neptune. Um, I thought Neptune, that guy, he kind of looked like Richard Blaze. Uh, he also looked like the other agent with Bob Sugar and Jerry Maguire, like like standing next to him when Jerry comes into the lobby after writing the memo. I never thought you would come up with a Jerry Maguire reference on this show. Oh, there, you might find others. There, just give me time. I'm of the I'm the, I'm of the generation of Cameron Crow fans. So they go they go onto this farm. Uh, they look at some cheeses. Big fan of cheese, um, and they decide that they're going to have to do four courses. Here's the here's the elimination challenge. Four courses. Each of those courses in those teams, they had a green team and a blue team. The green team lost in the quick fire, and the blue team went on. Um, the green team and the blue team both have to create four dishes, which has to include one cheese from this farm in each of the dishes. And they pair off, and two people... Um, Sometimes they double up like Joe Stash, have to create these dishes, break off in pairs, create these dishes and present them later in the elimination challenge. And this is in Larkspur, Colorado, which is gorgeous. And it is, I think, a little south of Denver. There was a a favorite restaurant of ours in the Vale Valley is Larkspur. But uh, I I believe it it no longer operates as a restaurant. But yeah, it was um, kind of a surprise. I think we were thinking produce. We were thinking, you know, I think everybody had their – their their imagined component and it comes up cheese and and then we go from there so then we 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 are treated to one of the more generally contentious events in Chop Shop which is the creation of the menu oh. which often involves people standing in either grocery stores or at kitchen counters with pen and paper and may the alphaist person's voice win uh, and then invariably the the, the, the the shrieking violets who are disappointed that they didn't assert themselves and get stuck with some onerous dish that of the, of not of their own making. Uh, and personalities then prevail. And, and then we kind of see our first real – we see our first dynamics 
of the show. Yeah, Joe Stash. I don't know whether you call him Kobe or Russell Westbrook, but he was definitely coming in with the high usage rate, dominating the ball in those conversations, dribbling the hell out of the ball in that. And it was, it was, you know, I think it was Chris, Chris, the uh, the Amish soul food guy who said it best, which was like, you know, I was that guy in my twenties. You know, there's a lot of twenties in Joe Stash. Did you feel that? Can, as, as a as a man in his forties, oh, I love that comment. I, I don't get <laughs> tribal very often, but there's a you know there's a certain douchebaggery you see in younger dudes. I think you said that about me when we started working together when I was twenty five. You're, you're a little bit of a dick occasionally, but you know what's funny because I didn't see the mustache Joe thing in earlier episodes. You know, I just thought oh, he's kind of cute with his wax mustache. He's going to be harmless. He'll he'll be a shiny, happy person holding hands and. And, man, you get into the heat of team play, and all of a sudden, wow, it's like, you know, we it, it turns into Animal Farm, quite literally. And it's uh, it's just funny how that doesn't really materialize until you get to interpersonal dynamics. Um, it was very funny, like, like when Tom comes into the kitchen during prep, mustache Joe's like, tighten up your station. <laughs> right? What was that? I mean, but like, that's something, like, it's something I would totally be thinking. I might not say it to others, but it's like, Jesus right. is coming. Look ready. And so, so, and, and Jesus came. Uh, and, and it's kind of early in that prep that we saw foreshadowing into one of what we knew might prevail as one of the big early mistakes of the show. And that would be, you know, the, the blue team's first course. Uh, Claudette and Adrienne are going to be teaming up. Yikes. Yikes all over that one. And those are two of my draft picks there. Adrian and Claudette was a horrible pairing from the start. Because they're po- the two chefs we really took to personally. Yes. So that, that was sort of another a source of sorrow. Is we, I think we both liked these chefs. Right. And you, they start pointing fingers right away is, well, you wanted to do the cold smoked trout, but you don't know how to do it. And I got to teach you. And then you can see kind of the machinations happening in front of you where Claudette's kind of weaving this narrative of, you know, I didn't actually choose that. And, you know, this is your idea, but I'm going to do it because you told me to. Um, and you could kind of seeing this just kind of un- unfurl right there. Yeah, and I mean, cold smoking I think is a very specific technique. I, basically, you you gotta you gotta smoke this fish without raising the temperature above what is it like seventy five, eighty degrees, or whatever it is. Uh, you know, as somebody who aspires to make locks, and one day I will make locks. I've been talking about making locks for like like thirty years, basically. But uh, it's kind of intimidating, and I think either you, you, you either it, it's a technique either you know how to do or you don't know how to do. Um, and I, I think the fatal error, and I, I suspect Claudette would would not disagree, was and we saw a little bit of the tape there, which is there was a I think a collective agreement that it would be cold smoked. I think there was a common assumption, at least from Adrian, that both knew how to cold smoke, uh, and Claudette didn't speak up and say, "Hey, hey, hey, just so you know, not really my event." And yeah. I think not really my event could have possibly uh, averted some major heartbreak later. Just a quick, pss, not really my event. Before we before we go further, what did you think about two when he's tying up the knot on the lamb? Um, what did you think about Tom walking up and saying, you know, I want to teach you how to do something, but I'm not going to do it. And then he goes ahead and does it. Would you accept if Tom Kalika walked up to you and noticed that you were doing something that you were fumbling around with, you knew that this was an away game, Tom Kalika offers a, a, his hand to help. Do you accept it or like what kind of – what's your game strategy there? Oh, absolutely. If, 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 if the guy running the show has a hack for me, oh, I'm hacking away. Oh, man. See, I would I would might go the other way, which is like, no, Tom, like I don't want to solicit help from the judge. I'd want to do this fair and square. But what do you, I mean? I mean, what do you what do you say? I was like, fuck out of here, man! Like, what are you, what are you supposed to say to Tom Colicchio in that situation in week two? I would have just said I didn't get to Boy Scouts. I'm sorry, I don't know how to tie this knot. I don't know the land. Well, what's knot. kind of interesting about that moment, you know, beyond Tom is again, it was and we saw it a little bit with Adrian, and we saw it with two is that you don't get a these people do not unfurl their entire skill sets and repertoire when we meet them right like we learned how technically sound adrian mm. was this week we also learned something that there's no shame in it that that two is probably more of an autodidact in terms of his cooking i mean he's done pop-ups like like this guy clearly has some serious game but by the way that's not you know it was sort of you know getting that rack in order 
is a very specific skill and it's not one he really has. Again, doesn't make him a crappy – I mean by and large, chefs gravitate to the skills that best accentuate their you know, their game and they avoid the stuff like you know, Tanya doesn't, doesn't really do that kind of prep anymore. And that's cool. But we get to see kind of wh- where each person is strong and, and which shoots they're short in as well. Yeah, I, I just love that from Tom. It was just like, what, what is two going to do here? I'm going to offer to help, but is he going to take it? What's he going to say? And, you know, Joe was just looking after him the whole time just with those death eyes, just being like, oh, I'm, I'm so going down. I'm going down with two. I, I'm a two. Look, I got a lot riding on two. I took him with my first pick. I will not – let me say this. I feel a little less comfortable tonight. Two doesn't make delicious food. I, he's going to just kick some serious ass. But what you see is, hey, there, there's certain holes in his technical game, and that's fine. But you just have to hope that you know you don't shove up, show up at the wrong challenge and your guy's going to be asked to do something he fundamentally can't do. Um, and, and, and so you also feel for Must Ask Joe a little bit because he's got that skill. And he might fall because his teammate doesn't. So, but it just it, it it's it, you freak. It's funny now that we're doing this as a sport. You and I, I, you remember, you start realizing that when you watch a season, what people can and can't do emerges over time. It's not something you pick up in the first challenge or the second challenge. Something will hit, and they won't have it in their game, and they'll be screwed and have to improvise. And one of the things that I think people have to keep in mind is that the first episode will show you a lot, but it doesn't show you everything. So two comes out, guns blazing with that first quick fire challenge, wins immunity, and then on the second one is as shaky as anyone on the episode. On, on the episode, so you can't always project just from the first episode. And and just so people, if they missed last uh, last edition of the Pack Your Knives podcast, the stat that I threw out there is that of the thirteen. Um, of the 13 contestants that won the first elimination challenge, nine went on to win or went on to get to the finals. And then there were five winners out of that. We're going to throw out season nine because season nine was really weird with the first elimination challenge. But basically if if you win the first elimination challenge, that's a great predictor of who's going to win or at least get very far. And that was Tyler. But Tyler in this episode was kind of just out of it. It was almost like he was, you know, there was the, there was the, the, the precious Julia Child thing, which I'm sure you enjoyed. Is this a good time to kind of interject about, I had a Tyler experience this week. Yes, yes. I want to hear about this. I haven't gotten the, the recap, so I guess everyone is listening to this for the first time too with me. Uh, in, on Tuesday night of this week, that was two nights ago, we were taping this immediately after the broadcast of Bravo's Top Chef. I found myself in West Hartford, Connecticut, and at uh, strolling in on a t- Tuesday night to uh, cook in the Bear, and uh, which which is Tyler's restaurant in West Hartford that is a, you know essentially a smokehouse. Would I, I don't I don't think it's reductive to say you know focuses on barbecue, yep. and I overordered delicious romaine heads with uh, kind of a you know crispy shallot and. Um, you know, blue cheese dressing. I got some smoked salmon deviled eggs, which were wonderful. And then I went for uh, two meats. I actually went for the brisket because obviously, obviously. And, um, yes. you know, and I also got uh, I got the kielbasa. Total game time decision. Just kind of felt like it would be a nice compliment. Did it come with like a spicy mustard or something like that? It served with actually what I prefer is um, kind of a – you know, bread and butter pickles, mm, yeah, which I, yeah. I like a little sweetness. I, I think it goes really well with the savory. It, it's beef and pork in that in that sausage. Uh, and then Tyler walks in about halfway through my meal, and what a great guy! Just in his element, um, coming from uh, his, his, his kind of his flagship restaurant in Simsbury, and uh, he also uh, goes come from from behind the counter and brings some of their. House cured pastrami. Wait, wait, wait. So he came out with the good stuff? The, the house cured pastrami, oh, which man. is wonderful. And and often you forget because I think we often all eat pastrami in the same context, which is it's generally between two pieces of rye bread. It's more thinly cut. This was you know, a chunk. Mm. It, 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 it's funny. It's like it's even such a greater pleasure to have a more substantial bite of it. And it was – the meal was fantastic. Let me ask you this. 
Did you broach the topic of Top Chef or did you keep it cordial and just professional and say, this is a great meal, this is the podcast I'm doing, and uh, really thank you for, for having well, me. Well, you know, as I know that the, the show is currently on air and having worked on a reality show, I didn't want to put him in an awkward position where I had to say, hey, give us the dirt on this guy or that guy. <laughs> you know, I did, we, I'd asked him the more general question, which is, hey, we proposed a question last week on Top Chef, which is, Hey listener, it's your favorite Butcher Turn podcast producer May is here to talk to you about Butcher Box. A not so wise man once said, it's not that hard, just chop, chop. Who knew that he was talking about pork chops from Butcher Box? It's not that hard. It's easy to get high quality meat and seafood you can trust delivered right to your doorstep. Free shipping, always a variety of high quality cuts at an amazing value. You get exactly what you need. Premium ingredients for your meals to feed your family. I know how it is. You go to the grocery store. You're stressed. You got a lot of food to get. And then you got to wait in line at the butcher counter. Maybe your butcher is a tall man with an attitude. I don't know. I've never experienced that, but maybe it happened to you. That's why I love ButcherBox. You've always got meat in the freezer or in the fridge. You're ready to cook at any time, and you're not going to find such high quality at such low prices anywhere else. So sign up for ButcherBox today by going to butcherbox.com slash dings, D-I-N-G-S, and use code dings at checkout to enjoy your choice of bone-in chicken thighs, top sirloins, or salmon in every box for an entire year, plus $20 off. Again, that is butcherbox.com slash dings, and use code dings, D-I-N-G-S. Chop, chop! We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When we watch this show, is it a very specific skill set that's required to advance through the show? In other words, in the scenario I offered was, if you gave these 16 chefs each three weeks to prepare a meal, would the order 1 through 16 be the finishing order in the show? And what Tyler said is, no, it is a very specific skill set. That There are probably some of the most talented mm. chefs in the world might not last two weeks on this show. Um, and that, that the sort of working – it is, as we've kind of talked about, kind of almost deadline filing a story. That uh, just, just something certain people can do. And so uh, you know, he corroborated that impression that, yeah, it is a very specialized skill that's employed on Top Chef to be able to turn this shit around and like – 30 minutes or 15 minutes or, or overnight or eight minutes and 21 seconds. So, uh, it, by the way, the restaurant is wonderful. We heartily recommend it. If you're in central Connecticut, it is. And by the way, I think West Hartford's always struggled I, for some, some, some real tent pole restaurants. And I now feel like when I'm in town and I'm frequently there for work, uh, that I, I have a, there, there's no question other than obviously Frank Pepe's for my white clam pizza down in yep. New Britain. Uh, I, I, I think Cook and Bear is kind of my place there now, and it's just a, a consistently good meal. And we've been there twice now. Where did, where did you take me that had that that first introduced me to olive oil ice cream or olive oil gelato? It was for dessert. Wow, where was that, were you in Miami? Uh, was it Brico? Is that is that the name of the restaurant? It might have been in West Hartford. I think we we met that it was in West Hartford, and the the dessert I'll never forget. It was an olive oil gelato. I think it was called Brico, and it was in West Hartford. Um, and we've eaten there before. But by, by the way, how is how great is ice cream flavors that you never would think to order in this whole movement in the last fifteen years? And and we saw it t- uh, tonight on Top Chef the feta the feta ice cream, which wow, uh, we'll get to that. But yeah. the lavender yeah. ice cream, the the combos <laughs> pizza ice cream, like I like I like your your unsuspecting ice cream flavors. It's a, it's a thing that uh, that gets me. Too. Accunized listeners, buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated and confusing, but there is a better way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets of every type of event. 
Whether you're searching for a last minute deal, planning a night out, or need to find the perfect gift this holiday season, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats. I just recently used it to buy tickets to Trevor Noah's uh, stand-up here in Charlotte. He's coming into town. So I went to SeatGeek, and it's great. It's designed to make your ticket-buying experience easier than ever. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare and find amazing deals. And to get you the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, with every purchase, it's fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket, from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. Best of all, my listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code HEALTHY today. That's promo code HEALTHY, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Each of the teams does four dishes. Uh, we've told you about the cold smoked fish, and uh, that, that was problematic. Um, but, but I mean, one of the things that I thought was really cool this week is how whimsy is rewarded. There was a moment at the judges' table where um, Padma says of one of her, 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 and I won't reveal it now, one of her favorite dishes was that was just about the coolest thing ever. And I, I, I like when. Chefs are rewarded for thinking up something that is just upon review, the coolest thing ever, just kind of essentially inventing something. And I, I, I was really happy to see those who were rewarded this week kind of went with things that were just so ridiculously whimsical and well executed. Just that like was Tanya and Chris with the feta ice cream. Right. And that was, I think, what she said. That was just they, they decided they were going to do their, their beignets, which they just ended up calling fried dough as the dessert. With a sheet milks feta ice cream and a chocolate ganache, and the sheet milks feta ice cream, they have to incorporate the cheese, which in a dessert is, you know, traditionally you just kind of put it in with the tart. Sure, I mean you can always work in cheese. But they're like, no, fuck it, let's go and make it an ice cream out of this cheese, which is a really high degree of difficulty thing to do. By the way, I mean that could turn out any which way. I've had some of those ice cream flavors that I think I like that when they just they couldn't really pull it off, and. It worked. You know, I I was stunned to see Padma coming out with the the hyperbole right out from the gate on episode two of this season, saying it was the favorite dessert, might have been the favorite dessert ever on Top Chef that she's ever had. So that was that was incredible to see. And um, I thought that they were. What, she is not a lady who traffics in hyperbole. No, she is not. And in that, I thought one of those two were going to win. Uh, you know, I thought Chris or Tanya, each of those had as good a shot as anybody to win last night or tonight's episode. Um, someone who didn't have a shot to win was Rahelio. Rahelio with the lamb loin. I feel like you can't really screw up a lamb loin. My question, and I, I haven't worked with a sous vide um, machine yet. Uh, our friend Ethan Strauss has gotten one in the last week or two and is obsessed with his sous vide machine. Yep. Uh, I got a steam oven in this house, so I, I probably won't get a sous vide machine. But I thought the whole point of sous vide was that it cooks the meat even. Yeah. Where like you cut it over there and it's rare and it's well done over here. Like what is the point of doing sous vide for two and a half hours if indeed it ain't going to be evenly cooked? Yeah, that was that was really ugly. And he was the one who looked like the expert compared to two preparing that lamb. Remember that? Like two is a total mess and then 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 uh then Tom goes over to check in on, on Rahelio and Rahelio's got this. I mean he's got it all figured out. And then it was and then it was the total opposite, is that two actually was safe and Rahelio I thought had a real chance to get to get eliminated. Both lamb chefs were very sheepish today and uh, by the way, Rogelio, Rogelio, yeah, there's my dad. Humor. There's your Tom Colicchio moment, yeah. He kind of committed one of the cardinal sins. Don't argue with the judges about how their meat was cooked. I know. Like, if Tom thinks it's rare, it's rare. You know, you just don't, you can't argue, don't argue with the refs. Yeah. You know, you, you can't go DeMarcus Cousins. You can't, you can't just constantly, you can't go Chris Paul and constantly plead. It's not going to win you points, right? And the, and the other thing is I saw in the Last Chance Kitchen episode from last week, Leanne Wong did the same thing to Tom. Where Leanne said, 
you know, uh, Tom said, oh, it wasn't seasoned. Your dish wasn't seasoned. And she was like, I think you should go back and try it again. And he's like, no, I'm good. Well, let's talk about real quick, just kind of divert for last can't chicken from last week. Cause it will uh, essentially affect our, our contest is, uh, Melissa had, had, had been eliminated last week. She joins the three, uh, surviving previous chefs, right? That's, that's Marcel, Leanne and everybody's favorite Kwame. And as they often do, in uh, Last Chance, which I imagine it being like purgatory when you die. It's like you have – when you're in purgatory, you have to actually take on your biggest failure in life because they always make the challenge what the person screwed up on the previous week or how they got eliminated. So it's potatoes, right, yep. or Melissa. So they got to make a – they got to make a uh, – they got to make a dish out of potatoes. And Melissa, as a seafood chef, screwed up the salmon. She overcooked the salmon, which is a it is a cardinal sin. I cannot eat dry salmon. I will eat I will eat salmon sashimi one thousand times if it's a if it's a steak if it's a salmon steak on my plate and it's supposed to be cooked. I'm taking the sashimi way over the overcooked salmon. I've gotten to the point in restaurants where if it's going to be a you know a thicker cut, I, I just say hey, just really really rare, like sashimi yep. rare in the middle. Um, because yep. you know, I mean, salmon is the variance between like really good salmon and salmon that is just one second overcooked is is enormous. Marcel wins the Last Chance Kitchen for French fries. It was actually further evidence that Tom loves rewarding mastery of the simple. Yes, you take a French fries and you just crush it. He will reward for you for having ironically like the guts to do something that is such a staple so familiar but if you execute it perfectly you will be rewarded how much did that win arise from the fact that he used like liquid nitrogen to cook his french fries well he mentioned that and i didn't it, it is something that every once in a while you'll hear chefs talk about like like there are certain foods where like like freezing them first and then uh frying them yeah yeah I, which chef did i talk to or i love their pea puree or pea dish and he's like you want to know the secret and it's like, yeah, I, 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 I freeze the piece. I was like, really? You, know, you blanch, then freeze, and then do your thing. And I was shocked because like I've just – frozen food to me has this stigma. Like the minute you freeze something, it's kind of just – like you can use it again, but it's never going to truly be its you know, its, its, its essence. I want to ask you about this. So, so Marcel won that dish. He moves on. Um, I don't think we have any scoring for, for that, so we'll just move on from that. Um, but I wanted to ask you, who had the best zinger – of the day was it Fatima who said that of course Joe is gonna cut the cheese because he's a big guy that was a good zinger there was also Tom Colicchio with the uh he's not flogging around was that what that what the line was there's a lot of like kind of dad humor which I I, oh, I, I can certainly um they weren't flogging around here I think is what it was and I, I'm gonna give Fatima the the nod on that one for the best zinger so we, we we get to we get to the presentation of the dishes, um, and so the cold smoke disaster was indeed uh, Adrian and Claudette's first dish. The green team sent out Fatima and Laura with a dish that it was a huge hit: cheese and crackers. And and this is one of my um, this is one of my favorite moments of the week. So Laura, uh, who, who I, was she a bottom three last week, or was she? She had one of the. Yeah, she had. A, I think she had a rough first week. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. We, we picked her toward the bottom of the draft. And in the in the alpha show that was Mustache Joe, she had really wanted to. She's a pastry chef by training, and she had wanted to. I think really had wanted to do dessert, but assignments got scooped up, and she gets stuck doing something. And, and I think was very disappointed about it. So it was really cool about her success. She nailed the cheese and crackers along with Fatima's, and she used the rind of the cheese in the cracker, which the chef just thought was the greatest thing ever. But I mm. love that she got boxed out of doing dessert and yet got ended up getting to use her baking skills in the appetizer with the cracker and getting a huge applause from everybody for doing so. So it was just kind of a – you know, after – she kind of got boxed out by this big swinging dick and then – you know, but, but ends up – getting to revel in her best skills and getting to show that them was really cool. And I always get nervous um, when they do a little bio in the first couple episodes, because it always makes me feel like, Oh, they're going home. You know, like when they're trying to fill in a little bio into the story. And I feel like Laura was getting a lot of the bios in the first couple episodes, but I think just because she has such a unique background that 
I was maybe reading too much into it, but I felt that with Claudette when they're having the discussion about the car and the and uh, her kid and how old she was. Um, and then I felt that with Rogelio too, and I was like, oh no, one of these two is getting voted off, and of course, one of them does. Oh, see, I always think it's possibly a situation where they're giving you bio because you're going to be hanging around with this person for several weeks, and they need to start filling in and giving you as much context and making sure you're invested in their success. Oh, uh, you know what? You're right. It could go both ways. I, I always assume they're like, oh, they're not going to waste our time with this person's story if they're going to bump them off. This yeah. Week. So then there's a pasta course. Both teams crushed it. I think these might have been two of their favorite courses today. Joe and Bruce, a couple of bears. They nailed the, the, the beat and a lottie. And I think we're going to see a shit ton of pasta from Bruce. It seems like he is really good at it. Um, and then the ricotta dumplings. Much to ask Joe, but Carrie, I think, did most of the heavy lifting. And she uh, she won the week. She wins the week. Oh, ricotta dumplings. Um, and they did a very smart thing. They did the whey sauce on the bottom. And whey is just this goop or liquid essentially that uh, – I think that falls off during cheese making and stuff. So they kind of really cheesed it up with, hey, we're going to do the whey sauce underneath. And Carrie just nails it. And the proportions are great between the, the filling and the dumpling. Everybody's happy. She's an inordinately likable person, very clearly. She is, and I got nervous there when Tom asked her the question, why did you Why did you only see her one side? Why did you only saute one side? And she answered it strong, confident. You got to do that. Come out with a strong, confident, this is why I did that. And Tom said, you know what? I love that. That's why I'm, I'm glad she only seared one side. And, and by the way, I, I like when Tom throws that curveball. What he sort of is the... <laughs> The stern, like English schoolmaster in the in, in the movie, and then it turns out he's just this loving guy at the end who who opens his heart, and and that's uh, that was cool. Carrie's a um, inordinately likable person. I'm hoping she hangs around. I know she is she is on your fantasy team, but I was very happy for the she wins. she gets a plus twenty for being ten for being in the top, ten for being the winner. Um, and she was the 16th pick in our draft. We had eight, we drafted 18 people and Carrie was one of the last people, uh, to be drafted. And she came out really strong with the, with the dumpling dish. I thought a couple other people deserved to win, were just as deserving to win. Uh, but Carrie comes out with the W. I was surprised that Chris and Tanya didn't get the nod there. Right. They, um, that that was I mean hey it was it was her favorite it was Padma's favorite dessert ever in the history of fifteen seasons of Top Chef. Uh, the other um, brother luck did the other dessert. I seemed to do pretty well the, the blueberry tart with whipped ricotta, and uh, obviously the glams were the big losers. And this dish isn't finished, says Tom, of the <laughs> seared lamb with corn grits, and apparently the sweet corn pudding was too sweet, and that was Mustache Joe. Interesting that Mustache Joe had his finger in a lot of little different dishes and. Had he had his way, would have railroaded the the fried dough slash beignet slash sheet milk feta ice cream dish until Chris basically just told him to fuck off that he was doing chocolate grenache, even though it seemed that that mustache Joe was not interested. Kevin, who are you in the the menu making? Are you the guy off the ball waiting for his shot and then just nails it? Wait, just getting your feet set and and nailing it, or are you the guy dribbling the ball at the court, pointing everyone around where they need to go? Or are you the guy waiting for the for the pass and you're creating off the ball, just waiting for that moment, and then you're going to go to work? Not an ENTJ. You are an ENTJ. Mm. Um, you are more extroverted than I am. Uh, I tend not to want to – like I am a control freak. What I want is to know that you tell me which dish you want me to do, but when you assign it to me, don't fuck with me. Like, yeah. like that's me is, hey, you guys decide the theme, which cheese is going with which thing. But just give me my dish and let me go off and do my dish, and I will do it. I will do you well. But just trust me, and don't meddle, and don't, you know, you don't fuck with the program. Just, just give me my thing, and I'll, I'll throw out a couple suggestions, right? Like I'll be like, hey, if you decide you want a pasta dish, let me know. And that's why you're a great friend, great colleague. It's because you're not going to dominate the ball, but when you get the ball, you are going to nail it. And it, that's like James Harden OKC where it's like he's not the number one guy, but you can clearly see that he is just a superstar. But I want an ENTJ in charge of the whole thing, right? Like that would be like like my ENTJs in my life, you, Henry Abbott. Um, who else is an ENTJ in my life? Forget else. You, you two are the, the two ENTJs I know. 
Yeah, is Joe that guy? Joe Stash? Zimmerman, who is, a, who is a rabbi in San Francisco. She is an ENTJ. <laughs> it was it was interesting to see. I mean, I think I think did you did you feel like we drafted well in terms of figuring out who's really good after two episodes? Do you think our draft looks looks similar, or do you think it? Well, Money. I mean, look at this. So, so to David Boo, who basically goes home this week, if not for wearing a green apron, he yep. was my number one pick, number two overall. He would have been home. Fatima showed well, and and we're going to see more of Fatima. Her arc, really, you know, she it was it was team play this week, and and she helped execute a really good dish. Uh, Tyler is Tyler's showing a lot of variance. I mean, yeah. I, I think what he's got he's he's got the big win. He's got a bottom three quick fire and a bottom. He was in the he was in the bottom tonight. Yeah, uh, technically, I think uh, if you go to Wikipedia right now, they've got him in the low, Rahelio in the low, and Adrian in the low, which I think is that's tough. Putting Adrian that's crazy in the that somebody already updated that Wikipedia grid. It's not us. That's amazing. I mean, whoever that person is should be on this show. If you were out there, person who updates the Top Chef Wikipedia page grid. The second the show is over, we want to talk to you. Reach out. We 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 want we want to know you, uh, Joe Flam. I, by the way, I'll tell you if you had to t- ask me right now among my team, I could only I had to basically ditch everybody but one person. Joe Flam. Yeah, he's strong. He's strong. I mean, I like Fatima. I'm there with Fatima. I'm still with Fatima. Joe Flam to me just seems like he plays error free ball, and I'm going to say this every week. I mean, the guy hasn't made a mistake. No, he doesn't hasn't. make mistakes. He doesn't. It's really strong. He hasn't been in the bottom three, top three, bottom three. He won the quick fire, of course, today. But you're right. I mean, he is strong as anybody in this competition. So your team, to recap for those who didn't get a chance to listen, you got two, Fatima, Joe F, Joe Flam, not the mustache Joe, soul food, Amish soul food guy, Chris, Tanya, Brother Luck, Laura, Leanne, and Melissa, who went home last week. Um, my team is Tyler, Bruce, Claudette, Joe Stash, Rogelio, Adrian, Kwame, Carrie, and Marcel. I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty strong about Joe Flam too. Um, great character, uh, really skilled. Uh, also, I think he might have followed Pack Your Knives on uh, on Twitter, which is always getting bonus points there. Um, I don't think you really have a weak spot because I think two. Obviously, you saw a lot of talent out of him coming out of the gate. So even though he had a tough time, I think you just have a really strong roster. Yeah, and, and I'm just so excited about Laura Cole. Again, you know, she kind of gets boxed out of doing what she wants to do. She ends up with an appetizer, employs her baking skills. Like so, it's just like she had. You know, she didn't win this week, but I, I think in just I, I was it was it was it was a huge thing for her. And I think you know, confidence builder. I'm I'm feeling it. Uh, Brother Luck had a very, you know, had a, had a good week in the quick fire. I'm liking my team, and yeah. uh, you've got some big personalities. You've got you've, uh, I mean, Bruce. By the way, can clearly freaking. I mean, that's going to be your steal. Yeah, you know what though? I'm feeling Adrian. I'm buying low on Adrian. She was in the bottom three in both elimination challenges in the first two episodes. But man, I feel good about Look, her. She first of all had she had she had a partner who could have cold smoked I, I don't even think this is an issue they love the other components that basically she was responsible for um i don't think i'm, I'm actually in some way by the way after week four we we, we might want to propose trade you want to put the trade machine on in week four week five? yeah we'll, we'll, we'll revisit that in, in the coming weeks if we want to red rover red rover send somebody over So Claudette gets sent home. Pack your knives and go for Claudette. It was emotional. Uh, she she cracked up a little bit. I think of all the chefs, she's she has definitely the the highest CER cuss efficiency rating. She had a bleep every three words. It felt like she did you. How did you feel like she? Do you feel like she kind of sort of threw Adrian under the bus? Yes, and I think it was in a little bit of a, a self-preservation method there. I thought that that was really what she was trying to do. Is she knew that she was going to go home unless she kind of pinned it on on Adrian a little bit. You know, you see this a lot on the show, right, Kevin? You see it a lot where it's like, I know I didn't execute that dish, but that's because I got a bad game plan. They drew up a bad play for me, and they should have known that I can't do that. You know, I'm a I'm a seafood chef, and they made me make a 
you know, a salad, whatever it is, you got to know my game. And I think that's what she was doing was a last ditch effort to kind of put some of the blame on Adrian, even though Adrian, I felt like really shined as a teacher holding her hand in those moments. By the way, I I was impressed about how composed she was because clearly kind of bemused that there was an agreed upon dish that required cold smoking and only to learn far too late in the day that her partner couldn't cold smoke. Yeah. At least the video we saw seemed like Adrian was. And, and by the way, Adrian could have also countered at the judge's table, and she didn't. I kind she of did. like the way Adrian handled it all around, and I, and I have great sympathy for Claudette, too, who I, I liked. And by the way, I was kind of excited to see some of her cooking. And, yeah. you know, and I, so I'm, I'm a little disappointed there, but uh, I thought she got a little bit desperate in, in, in terms of the assignment of blame. It could have been worse. But it could have been better. Yeah, you know, I can't I can't really blame her there only because I think she knew it was going down. And she was the last ditch effort of like, you know what? I got to figure out a way to defend myself here. Um, but, you know, um, I think Adrian, that was tough to see her in the bottom there because I really thought she shined in that episode. I thought she did well. But um, this, is, this is a tough loss for me. She was my third pick, Kevin. I went with Tyler off the top, Bruce, and then Claudette. Um, and she goes out. This is striking uh, a line through her name. That This is kind of painful right now, Kevin. Yeah, I, I, I think what we're learning is we don't know shit right now. <laughs> I think that's what we learned today. We don't know shit. Our draft board is – we could do a redraft in week seven and again look nothing like the list I'm looking at right now. We don't know shit. I just still feel like I with Joe Flam I got the steal. So even though Joe Flam didn't get uh, in the top on the elimination challenge, I think he's a star. I think he's the biggest. Um, I think he's. I think he's the biggest. I guess not a buy low candidate, but a guy who's overachieving at this point. From a he's the big fundamental. A big fundamental. I like. You know what? He actually tweeted at us um, that he was. He was like Tim Duncan. He made a, a reference to Tim Duncan. I on made Twitter. that reference last week. I think. Yeah. Yeah. He's the big fundamental. I'm telling you, he's he just he's not he's going to play air free ball, and, and I'm just I'm, I'm I'm convinced of this. Now, will he come up with the with the that is just about the coolest thing ever idea? Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. I bet he's got more creativity than than he's often allowed to to, to have in his place. But I'm, I'm just I, there's just there's no this is mistake free ball. Any uh, closing remarks as we finish up the third episode of Leverage the Chats, Pack Your Knives? Let's see here. I'm just kind of going through my um... – Oh, we got an eliminate – we got a sudden death quickfire next week. Do we really? Oh, was that on the Was that on the teaser for next week? So if I, if I heard correctly, we have a sudden death. Now, sometimes they do that and then you can, what, grovel your way back or something. There's always some little wrinkle. But um, it, it should – Padma seemed to announce a sudden death quick fire yeah definitely we're gonna have i'm gonna have to study up on this kevin i don't know what i'm gonna do and also there's this little conspiracy theory i have here did you notice a certain someone was lurking at last chance kitchen did i notice a certain someone jen carroll yes are they gonna sit there the whole time i always think that must be the most thankless thing ever is you get eliminated early from last chance and you're basically detained as a spectator for the next several weeks I, I'd love to have Jen on to, just to ask what that feels like. It's just to like linger around for however many weeks it is. I mean, that's got to be tough. Uh, dish that you wanted to eat the most. We should do this every week. Dish that you saw that you just wanted to get. Like it was on the menu and man, I am ordering that. And I think that, I think Bruce Kalman's frequently going to be the answer to this question. Because I love beets. And though I try to avoid pasta for my figure, the beef and a lot. I mean, that looks fun. Mm. I wish the the corn grits with the lamb chops and and the cheese. I I wish that was a little bit better. I wish it was a little bit better because I would order that. That had my name written all over it. As a Greek myself, anytime lamb like lamb is one of those things that if it's on the menu, I'm just like, you know what? I'm thinking about that. That is my eyes are drawn to mushrooms, truffle, lamb. I'm trying to think of what else is on my like power rankings of if it's on the menu, I'm ordering it. Lamb is way up there on the list. So I was I was kind of disappointed in this episode because they really just blew it on the lamb. It was a shit episode on lamb. Uh, when you were in Los Angeles and have a free lunch next time, got to go to Papa Christos. It's where I take all my Greeks. We've been there. Is it by USC? Yeah. Yeah, and we or, we over ordered. Can you believe That's it? That's right. We got. I, I remember the. I remember where we're sitting now. I do remember. We got the octopodakia. Yeah, we ordered 
we ordered like a, a huge, almost like medieval table, like worth of food. Like it was like, we had so much food on our plate. It was almost people were walking by like, where's the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth people on this table? It was just you and me. I, uh, they, they do a, they do a real family dinner on Thursday nights. So I might do my birthday this year there. Kind of a. Kevin, I think I'm going to see you next week. Let's try to do something cool for Pack Your Knives. We, 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 will, we will definitely do that. And until next week, uh, uh, enjoy uh, Last Chance. And we'll be back next. We don't know when exactly these drop. But, but following Top Chef Episode 3, we will have Pack Your Knives Episode 4. Yeah, and check out the Pack Your Knives Twitter. Uh, we'll probably be posting some of the, the scorecard from tonight. we got to discuss the scoring or just review it. Um, and then we'll post that as well as some analytics. I'll leave you with this little fact that I figured out today, uh, before we came on the show and I just did all this work, so I can't just waste it. You know, um, of the 43 contestants who finished in the top three in the first elimination challenge, first elimination challenge, which was last week, 43 contestants in top chef history, only nine repeated in, in the uh, second elimination challenge being in the top three. Think about that. Nine out of the 43 that were in the top three in the first elimination challenge did it again in the second elimination challenge. And only one person repeated, and that was Angelo in season eight, who finished seven. Shockingly few. I mean, right? right? Shockingly few. Only because, I mean, that's a lot of, I mean, by and large, if you're a top three person in the first elimination, the idea is, is okay, you've got, you've got, you've got, this. Got, you've got skills. You've got the skill for Top Chef because you came in just totally cold turkey and you figured it out. And then in the second episode, only nine out of the 43, which is one out of five. Does that mean there's a negative correlation between finishing in the top three first and second? Like are you actually more likely if you finished outside? That's a good question. I have to look at that because it's got to be pretty close. And I think the last episode of this uh, podcast I kind of brought up is is maybe the chefs kind of feel like they don't want to give that hot hand. Like they don't want to just have a teacher's pet out there, like a favorite. Like if you win the first elimination challenge, they don't want to be like, you know, we got we to gotta spread the wealth. So I kind of feel like there might be a little bit of judge bias there. But of the nine um, who finished in the top three in the first two episodes, of the nine contestants that have done that, there have been two winners. May in season 12 and Richard Blaze in season eight, both finished in the top three in the first two episodes. And there were also of that nine, there were two runner ups, Amar in season 13 and Gregory in season 12. So both of those guys got to the finals. Um, so that means four out of the nine that got in the highs on both episodes uh, ended up being in the final. So um, there is no one who did that in the, in this season. There's no one who's finished. Well, actually, sorry. Christopher and Fatima both have been in the high, both of your people. Neither of them have won, but both of them finished high uh, top three in both episodes. So Christopher and Fatima and Joe Flam, man, you're looking really good right now, Kevin. Tom, I will see you next week. All right, buddy. This is Pack Your Knives. Buenos dias, world, from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Wint. And I'm Rick Schwartz. And we're your hosts for Season 3 of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio Ruby Studio and the global conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Listen as we dive into the efforts here in San Diego and spotlight the heroes working worldwide to care for the species you know and love. Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Buenos dias, world, from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Wint. And I'm Rick Schwartz. And we're your hosts for Season 3 of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio Ruby Studio and the global conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Listen as we dive into the efforts here in San Diego and spotlight the heroes working worldwide to care for the species you know and love. Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Buenos dias, world, from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Wint. And I'm Rick Schwartz. 
and we're your hosts for Season 3 of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio Ruby Studio and the global conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Listen as we dive into the efforts here in San Diego and spotlight the heroes working worldwide to care for the species you know and love. Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Buenos dias, world, from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Wint. And I'm Rick Schwartz. And we're your hosts for Season 3 of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio Ruby Studio and the global conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Listen as we dive into the efforts here in San Diego and spotlight the heroes working worldwide to care for the species you know and love. Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Buenos dias, world, from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Wint. And I'm Rick Schwartz. And we're your hosts for Season 3 of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio Ruby Studio and the global conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Listen as we dive into the efforts here in San Diego and spotlight the heroes working worldwide to care for the species you know and love. Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.